0: Well, we're looking at a couple of verses here tonight, getting up through verses 7, 8, and 9, and particularly what things are visible in the lives of leaders in the body of Christ that would be considered profitable or of benefit to our spiritual growth. That seems to be the, the focal point here. Now, have you ever thought about this with people that have been leaders in your past, people that are bringing the Word of God? are there certain traits in their life that you saw as beneficial? And he's going to be looking at those, the the overall topic of what is beneficial anyway. In verse chapter 7, he first says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now sometimes I've heard this taught, remembering those who rule over you, talking about those that are in the body of Christ now. No pastors, traveling ministers, people like that that are in the body of Christ now. Remember those and the emphasis is, is put on making sure to take care of them. But actually, when you look at this verse, it's not speaking about that. He says, remember those who rule over you, those who are leaders, who have spoken. You see the past tense? Not are speaking, but have spoken. The remembering is present tense, but the have spoken is past. Now, it's important to note for a reason here. Remembering those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Now, that would sound like it's present tense. Considering the outcome of their conduct. So, everything here seems to be present tense, except for this part of who have spoken. Now, one of the things he is looking at in this is that people who have gone on before... And are already in heaven. That there are a great cloud of witnesses. Another thing he's looking at is those who have been persecuted for their faith and have died. What seems to be in in mind here by the author is not those that are currently pastors and ministers in the body of Christ then. But those who had been that each of these are familiar with and they're familiar with their life. He says, remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you. So those people that have gone on before, those people who died, some of these may have been put to death because of their faith. We know that just in the book of Acts, we know that James was was uh, put to death. We know uh, Peter was in prison to be put to death, and later of course he he was Stephen was put to death. And there's other ones just in the book of Acts we have recorded, other ones in the epistles that we have recorded that they were killed because of their faith. And so there were others beside those that were mentioned in the Scriptures because the Scriptures mentions those that we're familiar with. There's many that we're not familiar with and that they may have have died as well. Remember the seven churches, the the letters to the seven churches. It speaks about the number of people who had been killed and martyred for their faith. So these kind of things are going on. And so he's telling them, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. So those people who had the rule or the leadership over you, but they've gone. Don't forget them. Remember them. Remember what their faith did. Remember to the point to which it took them, many of them to the point of death. Then they stayed faithful. And so he says, uh, uh, keep this in mind, because sometimes you know, out of sight, out of mind. And uh, well, that was that was before, and we have to remember some of the people sometimes it does us good just to sit back and think you know who are the some of the people who minister to us you know don't don't forget it sometimes over the years you know uh, for some of us we've had ministers in our past that are uh, decades ago and after you've had decades of being with a under a particular minister you can get to know some aspects of the life that maybe are negative and sometimes we can uh, uh we we can call it, that can be a hindrance for us in the area of, of receiving from them. Make sure that doesn't happen. You know, there's going to be some negative things about people. Don't let that get in the way of you receiving from them because there's a gift of God that is on them. Uh, the pastor I was under for a long a long bit of time, he used to always say, he said, remember, I'm, I am anointed to teach the Word, not to keep it. <laughs> I thought that, that's, that's pretty good because uh, sometimes we kind of think that the, the same ministers that are anointed to teach the Word are also anointed in a special way to keep it, and that's not always the the case. I think the case and example he was using at that time was that uh, someone in the church had uh, passed him on the Broken Arrow Expressway, and he was speeding. <laughs> and so I think they confronted him about that, or did something about it. And so he he made made mention of that. So we do have to be careful because sometimes the problems that are there with a the person can get in the way of us receiving from them. But it says, don't, don't forget. Remember what they had gone through for the faith. And remember what kind of things they had put into you. And remember their faith, where it took them, what they had done, their life. Don't, don't forget these things. That's important for the context of the rest of this, what we're going to get into here. But in particular, let's read this again. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. The, the emphasis here is has spoken the word of God to you. There are a lot of people out there in the in, in ministry who are fantastic storytellers, but they don't teach the word of God. They they need to teach the word of God. I told you before, the best storyteller that I I personally know in the body of Christ is also, in my opinion, about the best teacher I've ever heard. And you've heard me talk about him a number of times. That's br- Brother Rick Renner. If you've ever heard him tell a story, whew, oh man, he, he can pull you into that story. <laughs> he is he can be very dramatic about how he pulls you into the story. I love listening to his stories, but he never lets his stories take place with the word. Now, somebody who taught stories, used stories in their in their teaching was Brother Hagan, used a lot of stories. I have never heard, including Rick Venner. <laughs> though I love Brother Rick Rinder's stories, I have never heard anyone tell stories with such spiritual impact than Brother Hagin. Some of the story he pulled out, I said, wow, I don't know that I would understand that concept in the Word if it wasn't for the story that he told with it. And um, I remember his stories more than any of any minister I've ever been around because those stories have always elevated something in the Word of God to a place that I could understand it. And i could uh I could get hold of it. They were some of the some of the best, but you see they have to be people who teach the word that's what got to be our our emphasis here as uh as ministers, as people we get under uh, th- that we get under The important part is the word of God that they teach us, not just the great stories that they tell or you know testimonies are wonderful, but if all that you do is teach testimonies, it's not going to do any good. Testimonies are great for encouraging us. But it's the Word of God that feeds us. And we have to make sure that we stay with the, with the Word of God. I've, I've listened to, there's one guy who would always fill in for one of the churches that I, I listen to. And he has great testimonies. Doesn't really teach the Word of God. But he has great testimonies of the thing God's doing through him or things that God has done and things that he's, he's been involved with. Wonderful testimonies. But pretty much the entire time he's teaching, it's up, it goes from one testimony to another testimony to another testimony to another testimony. To another testimony. And, um, not a, not a really no word at all, but still the word of God is still, uh, that work in him. I don't don't sit there to criticize him. He's he's no good. I think maybe when he gets out, he just likes to tell the stories of what God is doing, where he's at. And when he's there, he's probably teaching the word of God a lot more than he does when he goes, goes out. So that might, uh, might well be not going to mention his name just in case some of you might know. (laughs) Don't, Don't need to do that. But, uh. Uh, well-known minister. And uh, if I uh, can tell you some of the stories that he did, I mean, he's made great impact in this country in the, uh, with the things of God. But he says here again, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. Remember the faith that we saw inside of those, those people and the things that they did and follow after it. He says here, consider the outcome of their conduct. Consider what the end result was from the things that they did. Now, hang on to that thought as we go on through here. Uh, Williams, Williams puts this last part this way. Consider how they closed their lives. That might be in a, it's a little different uh, way than the way you, you may read it initially. The New Century Version translates the whole verse this way. Remember your leaders who taught God's message to you. Remember how they lived and died and copy. Their faith. The twentieth-century New Testament puts it this way, almost identical, just slightly different wording. Think of how they lived and died, and imitate their faith. So some of these people, particularly for the people that are reading the Book of Hebrews, they died for their faith, and so he's he's speaking to them. Look, these guys died for the faith. Consider how they how they did. Don't forget them. Don't uh, don't let them go. In Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, it seems like that is a throw in. It took me a little while to read this because there is a flow between 7, 8, and 9. And I had to read over it quite a few times and was digging into the Greek and digging into all the different things I could. I was searching out all the scriptures and just trying to get the flow of this. There is a flow here. But it didn't jump right out at me. If it jumped out at you, then you're better off than I am. But it didn't, uh, it didn't jump out at me. But, Let's just read it together. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So first we're talking about these guys who died, and then we're talking about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, his doctrine didn't change. His example is forever. Forever. The example we have of Jesus is it's always, it's forever since he's always the same. Now, since Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, the things he did in the Old Testament are going to be right in line with the things he did in the New Testament. And the things he taught in the epistles are going to fall right in line with the things he lived in the Gospels. And when we see a difference in it, the the problem is us. He's saying here, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't have to change. There was nothing he had to change in order to become New Testament compatible. He was, he was compatible with New Testament in the Old Testament. It didn't matter. He was, uh, he was the same thing of yesterday, today, and forever. So with that in mind, we go on to probably the, The biggest part of this section, and that is chapter, that is, uh, verse 9 in chapter 13. First part here says, do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. This word here, various, is used a number of times in the gospel for various diseases. That they brought various diseases to Jesus and He healed them all. So it didn't matter what kind we put this, this word various in there. And of course, diseases can come on all kinds of things. They have, you know, diseases that attack your eyes, diseases that attack your nose, diseases that attack your breathing, diseases that attack your walking. No matter what it is, there's a disease it seems that's out there that can attack it. And so we see that word "various" that is used in there. And A number of other times you can, uh, you, you'll see this this word "various" come in, and every time that it that it does, it's speaking about different types of this particular thing. So when he says here, "Do not be carried about." with various and strange doctrines. Now, that word strange, I looked it up. And it means strange. (laughs) It means it's used of strangers. What's a stranger? Someone you don't know. And, you know, a lot of times, strangers can cause us to have a little bit of uneasiness because I don't know them. They may be a perfectly fine person, but just the fact that I don't know them, there can be a little bit of uneasiness that is... Uh, that is there, and um, uh, you know, a lot of times with uh, little kids, we're always teaching them, you know, don't go up and talk to strangers, because we don't know that person that's, that's strange to them. They don't, they don't know them. We don't know that they are not meaning harm to those particular ones. And we're trying to instill in them, uh, we don't want to, you have to be careful. You don't want to border on putting fear in them that they're afraid of strangers just a a respect just be careful Uh, mom and dad our job here is to protect you and we can't do that if uh, if you'll run off with a stranger or someone who may mean harm and so this word here is talking about various and strange doctrines these are teachings doctrines of course means teaching just a fancy word for, for the teaching from the word of God so he says do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines so strange would be something that is different from the gospel of Christ. And he just laid down the fact that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, there was a quote of A.W. Tozer. I was looking around for the, uh, how many were up on Facebook, saw, saw the little picture I put up there? Uh, sometimes it takes me a little while to find that picture to put up there that we, we want to find it. It took me a little while today, but I, I found this quote. And it was from A.W. Tozer. Oh, man, that is a good quote. Whoa. Uh, but it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm looking for. But boy, that's a good quote. And I said, I might come back to that later on. I went back for it. It was gone. It's just gone. It was just disappeared. And I didn't even change the page. I didn't refresh the page. I was still on the page. Everything should have still been there. It was gone. I don't know where it went. But A. W. Tozer had some sort of a of a quote on there that um, uh, there was no scripture involved with it, so I couldn't use it for what I wanted to do. Because I I like to find some kind of a picture that has the, the the we can focus the key word the the key scripture that we're focusing on on Wednesday night, and I can find that in there and just kind of put that up there with it, so you can read the the key part of the scripture. And so uh, we found that. But then when I went back to get this, it was it was gone, and it was something on the lines. I didn't even did a search A. W. Tozer, and I put as much in there as I could remember. Did not come up. So, we'll find it eventually. But it was something about the, the fact that uh, there, were, there were no new doctrines. And he just, he just phrased it so beautifully. So, I will keep out there looking for it. See if I can find that, that, uh, that quote that he did. But, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I come up with a new doctrine that is different from the Jesus Christ of yesterday, the Jesus Christ of today, then this is this is wrong he didn't he did not change so that a new doctrine needs to come up and that's why he puts this in there jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever so strange doctrines have no place with a jesus christ who doesn't change he's the same that's why that verse got put in there he's emphasizing that uh, various and strange doctrines are things that are different from the jesus who was d- demonstrated to us in the Old and the New Testaments. Now this word here, carried about, is the Greek word periphero, which peri means about, and pharaoh means to bring or to bear. So basically to bring or to bear about. Put it, put the two words together. This is, uh, carried about is a fine translation. There's nothing really, uh, any more fancy than you gotta do this. It's, it's what it means. In Mark chapter 6 verse 55, <clears throat> it uses the word this way. They, they ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. So this word carried about on beds. They took a bed and they took somebody who could not carry themselves. And they put them on the bed and the bed, be, they began to carry them about on the bed. So they went wherever the bed was. So get that picture of, uh, of what this word is, is conveying here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. That's right along the lines with the same thing that we're saying here in Hebrews. Very familiar scripture to us. In Jude chapter 1, verse 12 specifically, but going back to verse 4, it says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, This is the topic of this section. I just wanted you to hear that part. In verse 12, these are, there, these are spots, these people, these men, these are spots in your love feast for, uh, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds. There's our word carried about, translated exactly the same, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Obviously not very flattering words to use for those. But these guys are carried about by the winds. So this is what this is talking about. Carried about. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. The idea here is that you are currently being carried about. And basically he's saying stop it. You don't quite get all that carried into the English. But in the Greek that's what he's He's speaking about. This is going on. You need to quit it. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. So what happens is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a stability that is there. But there are some people who got carried away by various and strange. And I like how you use both of those words. Various, all kinds of, uh, you know, it's, it's it's like the gospel. But there's, Variety in it. There's a a little bit of a twist here and a little bit of a twist there and just uh, just little changes that that go on. Various and strange doctrines. In other words, they, they bear no resemblance to Jesus. But people buy into it. It is amazing what people can buy into. Get to know Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Get to know Jesus and you won't buy into these things. You'll just say, well, that's not exactly how Jesus works. He's never worked that way before. (coughs) Why would He work that way now? You see, true doctrine from the Word of God grounds and stabilizes us, but false doctrine will move us about. False doctrine, various and strange doctrine, will move us about. It will actually get carried from one place to another place. There's no stability. And the enemy loves that because he can then devour you. Which, of course, he's looking for those whom he can devour. That'll put you in a place that he can do it. But, if you stay firmly rooted, stabilized on the rock, that rock doesn't move. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today and forever. It doesn't go anywhere. That's going to bring stability to you. Christians who have no stability in their life, it's because they have bought into Various and strange doctrines every once in a while you know i 'll talk about different ones that are out there, and uh, it doesn 't bother me that I know that there's local churches that get into them because you know, part of, part of my responsibility as a pastor is to warn you about things that are out there so i don 't always call out different churches or call out different ministers that are on t v or uh, I just tell you what 's going on, and then you you figure it out from there, and you can you know there' there's certain people out there they they like to as, as we talked about it, they like to have the prophecy meetings where we get on in there and you know, everybody should prophesy. And so you know, they base something off of, off of that. But we're out there prophesying to the chairs and clocks and walls and, and inanimate objects. And we're not here to prophesy to them. They can't understand the words that we say. And prophecy has an understanding that's involved with it. That's not the, the Jesus we know. There is no time in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that Jesus ever prophesied to a chair never did it. When he showed up in the Old Testament to talk to somebody, he talked to people. This is what Jesus did. Now, he did one time talk to a tree. But uh, apparently that tree hurt him. When he said, no one will eat fruit from you again, that tree dried up. But that's not how people are teaching it. So we've got to be careful about these About these things. I'm not sure. I don't think I got this in your outline. I think I had to delete this because they were running out of space, but it's kind of long. False doctrine can adapt to the changing times. Become what we need it to be in good or rough times and can make us feel better emotionally without doing us any earthly or heavenly good. That's how we know the false doctrine is there. When they can adapt to the changing times. And people will always want to say, well, times are different now. And, you know, um, it was okay before that marriage was between a man and a woman, but you know, the times are different now. Well, no, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When He said the two shall become one flesh, He was talking about a male and a female. And that was it. But you see, there's some churches that make compromises on that. And then, uh, You look at society, society has made the compromise already and we, we're accepting these things. Uh, as not you particularly, just society here in the, in our country before this, this wouldn't have been heard of. But I heard one person portrayed it. He said, how, how long before uh, a person decides they want to marry their cat? And if you accept, you know, that marriage is not just between a man and a woman. Well, it sounds crazy, but you know, 10 years ago, we would have thought oh, everything that's being accepted now is crazy. So what happens if a person wants to marry their cat or their dog or whatever it might be? You know, some people feel, they think have been burned in relationships and they have a pet at home, they just feel closer to it and they just want to, <laughs> <laughs> now that day's coming. There's going to be people that are going to do this. And again, we're just going to confuse and desecrate the institution of marriage, which uh, certainly is something the enemy wants to do. This is not something that you all get privy to, but I get to see some of the conversations from some of the input we're getting from the the people who uh, respond to the Facebook things we have out there. And unbelievable how many people are looking for a church that will accept the things that they've decided to accept. Well, you know, are you a church that's going to condemn... Uh, homosexuality or marriage between a man and a man. And we'll get asked questions like these. Well, we're not compromising on those things. That's uh, just uh, how it is. Now, eventually, you know, word will get out about that and we'll probably get some news media who wants to make a spectacle of the whole thing. Uh, my wife was telling me about some particular, uh, I don't remember the name now. If I did, I wouldn't tell you. But they were on TV. And they were asked this question, a big church, one of those mega churches, a pastor from one of the mega churches, they were asked this question about, uh, I believe it was on the uh, same-sex marriage issue. And, uh, uh, basically just gave it a very general answer and did not specifically come out and say what the Word of God said about it. And, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to make a stand. For the things that the Word of God says we have to make a stand on. But false doctrine can adapt to the changing times, become what we need it to be in good or tough times, and can make us feel better emotionally without doing us any earthly or heavenly good. Now, some of the examples of that is you know, when somebody loses a child young, well, God just needed another angel in heaven. How many have ever heard that? Now that's false doctrine. Because you are not, you are never going to become an angel no matter if you died young, middle-aged, or old. And as you, if you get into the Word of God, you find out that becoming an angel would be a demotion. That you are created higher than the angels. So if you became an angel, you would be demoted. Think about that. God didn't need any more angels. He's got all the angels he, he needs. If you wanted more angels, he would have made more angels. But see, false doctrine will make you feel good, but really does you no good in the in the in the long term. But people will, will rise up. You know, Brother Hagen used to talk about the the pastor who came over to his house when he was nearing the end, going to be going to be dead. And this guy got his God voice on. You know, pastors can get that God voice going on and. And they just talk funny and, uh, you know, the words become weird in their pronunciation and he just, uh, prayed that, that I don't, I don't, I'm not going to try and do the God voice, but he just prayed over him that, uh, that it would all be over soon. And that, uh, that God would preserve him until it was. That he, he'd make it less painful or some kind of a crazy thing like that. And, you know, it's there, that it's not true doctrine, it's false doctrine. But it's there to try and make you feel a little bit better. And I've seen some some pastors go and minister to people, and they say stuff, and I'm thinking, that's not right. But you look at the person, oh, thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. See, it, it, initially, it can make you feel better emotionally, but it does no earthly or spiritual good. The only thing it does any earthly or spiritual good is what comes from the Father. So I wrote this down too. Again, I had to delete it out of yours. It just got a little too wordy. But truth from God's Word may hurt or sting some. But just like removing a splinter, it's better in the end. You know, have you ever gotten a splinter? You leave that thing in, it's going to hurt even worse. And it can really cause some damage into that finger. But you go over there and you take the the pain of of pulling it out and you it'll be better overall it can bring joy when our emotions are down see false doctrine won't do that faith and hope to those in despair and the ability to look past the present to see the great gains in the future that's what the truth from God's word will do it may hurt or sting some but it's better in the end and that's what I prefer to have. I want the truth of God's word. I may it may hurt initially. Oh man, yeah, I'm all right. I'll fix that, I'll I'll correct that. But you see in the end it has some earthly and spiritual good because it's truth. And that's what we need to, to hunger after. And people who um who do that, people who hunger after the truth, I mean there's nothing else that will satisfy. Nothing else that will satisfy. And if they get something false, it's just like, oh no, this isn't this isn't good. You know, Sunday after church we were opened my daughter's house and um as they just keep it just seems like they keep coming up with new M M&M and M flavors. I haven't even noticed that. Um just new all the time. And uh my daughter had gotten two brand new ones. And one of them said coffee. Well, there's no way I'm touching that one. That's that's but she had gotten she saw one out there and she thought, Oh, she thought my dad would really like this. And it said toffee. I love toffee, English toffee. So they made M&Ms with English toffee in it. And so um, she said, this one's for you. She said, nobody else here is going to eat this. This is just for you. And so I opened it up and I tried one of them things. And I said, oh, no, get that away from me. Oh, that's terrible. It tasted just like coffee. I don't know what it was up about, but it said right on the, right on the front there, toffee. I said, that's no toffee that I know. That's Coffee. And so uh, somebody else they don't like, they don't like toffee they taste oh yeah it does taste like coffee so somebody else who liked coffee got a hold of it, but you see if we develop our our taste for the tr- for the truth for God's truth when we're given something different even though we're told you know this is toffee we eat it ah oh, no oh no that's not it, it we we know in this, in, initially right as soon as we we got a hold of that thing now no that doesn't have the the satisfaction. That the truth of God's word does. That's, uh, that's wrong. And you'll, you'll turn your nose up to it. You won't, you won't have it. You know, I've had, I've heard ministers, well-known ministers, who've even have a track record of doing some, some things good in the word of God. And I've listened to it and I said, oh, that is terrible. That is awful. That is just wrong. And I just turned my whole nose up to, to what they were doing. No, no, I, I want the truth. We gotta make sure that we stay with the truth. Because there are many. Varied and strange doctrines that are out there, and the the enemy is always trying to to do that. Just like with diseases, diseases it's always changing. Something's becoming a little bit different in the disease, and the same things that we use medi- medically wise don't affect it anymore, because we've got a new strain. You know, the flu that goes around every winter. They say, well, we got they they name each strain each year. It's this strain or it's that strain, and uh, there's just so many varied. and and many different types of these uh, diseases that are out there. It's not just a disease. not just a flu or a cold. There's all kinds of different ones that are out there. So we hang on to the, the truth. But he says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Because, you see, if I allow these to get into my life, they will carry me about. And the idea in the Word of God is that truth should stabilize us. False truth moves us about so that we're not, not stabilized in our life. We're moved, moved about. And you, boy, you look at some of these Christians who, who buy into some of these untruth things and they're just all over the place. Their emotions are all over the place. Their beliefs are all over the place. It, it is not a good situation. But again, he says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. So there's supposed to be an establishment there, not to be carried around. But look at what he says here, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not been, which, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Now be established by grace. This is the thing that we, let me read this verse to you from the New Century translation, New, Tra- New Century version. Do not let all kinds of strange teachings lead you into the wrong way. Your heart should be strengthened by God's grace, not by obeying rules about foods which do not help those who obey them. Now the law is not grace. We know that just from studying Hebrews and of course other places as well. The law not grace is not the law. The law is not grace. There's the law, and the law is this is what's going. This what happens when you break the law. Here's the penalty, but grace comes in and gives us things that we don't deserve. It's a grace gift from from God. Grace pinpoints areas to work on without condemnation, but the law condemns. So his his. contrast here is for it is good that the heart be established by grace you see when god comes in he doesn't come in like the law thou shalt not he comes in with grace here's what the word of god says here's where you can go here's what you can become and with grace we can get there but the law just condemns the law just says here do this and when we don't well now what's the penalty For it is good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So there are people, this is just one aspect of the law he's taken on, because earlier he'd taken on the idea of foods. So he went right, right back to it. There are people who look at foods. Thou shalt not eat this, thou shalt not eat that. And look at their lives. It did not benefit them. Did not help them. Another way that you can look at that, you look at some of these people that are on some of these diets. Um, I've heard people that stay with a very strict vegan diet, in in particular, that overall their health can be uh, greatly questioned because of some of the things that they're they're leaving out. Um, we heard one of the one of the things that uh, gets real concerning is the amount of protein that they're able to get because of so many places that they've cut out that that they have to make sure that they get enough protein. Just to uh, keep their body going the way that it should, otherwise bones can become well bones can become brittle because they 're not getting calcium or um, body's not growing and developing the way that it should um, and then, but they have this law, well, I cannot eat these particular things, and that law doesn 't forgive it's uh, this is how it is, and this is what you need to do, and that 's what they're they're going after, and they go after it for health reasons, but a lot of times when they 're going after these things they They create health problems themselves. So be careful about that. But he says, these people that are obeying these rules about foods, they speak about all these benefits. But if you look at their lives, they don't have any of those benefits. Those things aren't, aren't there. He says, but let your hearts be established. Let your hearts be strengthened by grace, not by obeying rules. About foods, this is just one thing. You be obeying rules about other things as well, not just not just rules about food, but rules about uh, what day you should worship God on. Some people, you know, we still want to worship God on Saturday, uh, Seventh Day Adventists. They still want to worship God on Saturday. Some people may worship God on Monday, and it doesn't make any difference what day you worship God on. Just so you worship God, and if, if people want to say, "Well, Sunday's not the right day," well, it's fine. No, there's no nothing in Scripture that says you got to worship on Sunday. That's, uh, um, yeah, if you all want to get together and worship on Saturday, well, that's fine. That will, that will work. But boy, you, you look looking, at some of the rules that went on. I mean, if you did certain things on Sunday, <laughs> I, I was never around for this. I never saw this, but I heard from some people that, uh, wearing shorts on Sunday was considered sin. Maybe some of you are familiar with, I, I wasn't familiar. I never saw that. I never heard that we can't wear shorts on. On Sunday, but I know people who have, uh, talked about that. You can't wear shorts on Sunday. That's gonna be, gonna be bad. Well, you can wear shorts on Sunday if you want. Not saying we're in the church, but <laughs> you can certainly, uh, do that for some people, you know, washing your car on Sunday. That's a sin. Uh, vacuuming the house. That's a sin. Uh, cleaning up the yard. You know, that's uh, that's a sin. By some people's standards of of work, what I do with the grandkids on Sunday afternoon and evening would be considered work, because I'm tired after I get done with all that. They have me throwing them around, tossing them in the air, and uh, you know, as soon as you get done doing one, then the other one comes up and my turn, and then you got to toss that one in the air. And um, you know, a little girl's not little anymore. She's uh, <laughs> tossing her in the air is everything I can do. but she she still wants to be tossed in the air you get little Chenzo up there you can throw him in the air make sure he doesn't go too high you got to make sure of that because man I can just take him and chuck him (laughs) he's just so uh, so little and light you know I can just grab him by the belt and start flying him around like a plane my granddaughter will come up to me and says right, do me like that Uh, no (laughs) I I was he had a shirt on and he was running I grab him by the shirt and pull him back. And he'd think that was funny. He'd try and run away again. and grab them by the shirt. Pull him back. And then I'd just take that and just start flying them all over the place just grabbing hold of his shirt. And after a little bit of that, little girl, she'd come on up here and she says, all right, do me. Well, she got this thin little shirt on. I said, that's not going to work. <laughs> but when I get done chucking them around and, and having them, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they like rides and uh, all sorts of other stuff. And it, that can be considered work. Well, it's not work for me. It's play. This is fun stuff. And, and that's what the Sabbath was, was made for. But you see, some, some people come in with a law. Don't come in with a, with a law. Your heart should be strengthened by God's grace. Not only God's grace in your own life, but also God's grace in other people's lives. But here I, here's the thing we really got to focus on here. Your heart should be strengthened by God's grace, not by obeying rules about foods, which do not help those who obey them. That's in the New Century Version. Let me read it from the, the King James. Which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So see, some of the things that people have completely occupied themselves with are not bringing about the, the proper benefit. Now this word here for profit means useful or beneficial. That it's a useful thing or ben- we're not just talking about profit as in money. Sometimes we, we limit that, that word to just money. There's nothing about this in this context is talking about money. It's talking about benefit. It's talking about being useful. And so I wrote, I, I wrote down some things. This is not meant to be an exclusive list or the, this is an exhaustive list. I'm sure you can add other things to it as well. But things that are, are benefit, benefit. Things that um, when people are focused on spiritual things, this is what you should see in their life. Is their spirit at peace? Look at, look at the things that they tout. Look at the things they say are important. And look at how they observe them. And how they bring these things in their life. Does it bring peace into their spirit? When you go out to this person, is this person in unrest? Or are they at, at peace? Well, if they're, if they're not at peace, you don't want what they're selling. Because it's not working, you got to make sure that it's that it's working. I don't know about about you. You know, sometimes you get on Facebook and it's got those ads for some kitchen gadget or some um, household gadget or some kind of thing, and they talk about how <clears throat> how good that is and how beneficial it is. And so sometimes I've seen them and they kind of perk my interest. Now oh, I wonder how good that is. <clears throat> so um, uh, I can envision myself using that thing and. You know, maybe that'll help me to eat more of this particular item out there. Uh, boy, that looks like it's good. So I go up on Amazon or some kind of place like that and I do a search for it. And when I come up, I look at the, uh, customer reviews. And sometimes you look at the customer reviews, this thing is cheap. (laughs) Don't buy it. It fell apart on me. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't cut or it doesn't do this or whatever it might be. It doesn't, it doesn't function. It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Doesn't have the results that we want. Well, if it doesn't have the results that you want, even if it doesn't cost a whole lot, there's no sense in getting it and taking up the space. It's not doing it. So, what he's telling you here is if a person is telling you that this thing, this is a really big deal for their life, take a look at their life. Does this person have the traits that you want in yours? Is their spirit at peace, for one thing? Is their mind stayed on good things? Look at how people talk about their mind. I had one person. They were in church here for, uh, some time and constantly they would be talking about, oh, I'm so worried. I didn't sleep. I didn't do this. I'm so worried. I'm so concerned. And I would just bring them to the, well, the word of God says, you know, don't, don't worry. Well, that's not what I'm doing but you just said I don't want what that person's selling that person's not going to be able to, to bring me in the light of anything because the way they're living their life is not a way I want to live I don't want those things in my life so how many of y'all can think of some people that have some aspects of their life and say, man I don't want what they got is their mind stayed on good things when you come up to them what kind of things come out of their mouth? That'll tell you where their spirit is. Whether the spirit's in peace, whether the mind stayed on good things. Or is it, uh, is it bad things that are coming out? There's another one. Is there a walk of love? Do they have a walk of love going on? Or do you always see them angry, bitter, upset at different people, talking people down, Telling this one's no good—that's not a walk of love. So whatever they've got in their life and they're pursuing, I don't want it because it's taking them down the wrong road. You see what they have? They think there's there's profit in it, but it's not. See the, again, it fits in this area of scripture, verse verse nine, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Hasn't profited them. If you're gonna tell me that this kind of a lifestyle, putting these kind of things into your, into your walk, is gonna profit you, I need to see it. And all I see is the wrong kind of profit. The wrong kind of benefit. So is their walk of love. Next, is their faith in God? You look at some way these people go, their faith isn't in God, their faith is in themselves. Their faith is in the medical profession. Their faith is in the economy. Their faith is in their job. Faith is in their family, people that are around them. Their faith is in something else that's not in God. Well, I'm not going to take on the things that they're saying, these are special, these are good, because I don't like what they have. I'm going to go find people that have their life with with benefits that I want to get hold of. You know, if you're going to read a, if you're going to read a book about how to become successful in business, you're not going to try and find somebody who's failed every time they tried to start one. If you want to find a book about how to invest in the stock market, you're not going to find somebody who went broke four times going to stock market. You need to find somebody who is successful at it, who has the benefits that you want. And uh, Last three here. Do their words give light or confusion? When you talk with this person and you hear their words, do you understand things better? Did they bring light? Or are you more confused after talking with them? Man, I thought I knew what was going on with that until I talked to so-and-so. Now I have no idea what's going on. Well, their words brought confusion for you. It's not supposed to bring confusion. We're supposed to get to a a place of understanding it. You look at the areas of end times and so many people have just perverted this area of, of, of teaching that people have the idea that I can't understand it. Do their words give light or confusion? Do their words give hope or despair? You listen to some people And when you get done talking with them, they've talked with you about your situation. Man, you are despaired. Man, I I thought it was bad, but now I really think it's bad. But there are some people that you talk with and you just can't help but coming out of there with some hope. Now, I can think of a few people, and there's many people in the body of Christ who can do this, but boy, if you have a conversation with Jesse Duplantis, how many of you think you can come out of there with despair? I don't think it's possible. Because the man has so much hope on the inside of him. You just sit down and have a conversation with him, no matter what you were feeling before, now you got hope. Because that's, that's what's in him. Do their words give light or confusion? Do their words give hope or despair? And lastly, do their words give edification or condemnation? Do you feel edified, built up, hearing the words of this person? Or do you feel condemned? See, one would be filled with grace, the other would be filled with law. Let's read that again. For it is good that the heart is established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. That word there, occupy, peripateo, the state in which one is living Or that to which one is given. Talk about occupation. Or occupied the state in which one is living. Or that to which one is given. So these people are occupied by these particular things. So when someone is occupied, this is something that, this is not just a side thing, this is something that occupies them. We already talked about this one, but when you when you think of the of this false stuff that goes on in prophecy, these people—it's not just a passing doctrine. They are occupied with it. The churches that have embraced this, every single service is involved with this type of prophecy. Everything that they do is involved with this type of prophecy. People begin to prophesy with their instruments. I heard that terminology going around. You cannot prophesy with an instrument. You can play an instrument under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and get a song. I certainly would would believe that you can do that, but you cannot prophesy with an instrument. I remember hearing people up on stage talking to somebody up on the stage and prophesy with whatever it is they're playing. Come on, people. You can Prophecy has to be understood. I do not understand a flute. I don't understand the words of a trumpet. I can enjoy a trumpet. But I don't understand the words of a trumpet. Prophecy has to bring understanding. But these, these places that, that are occupied with this, every single thing they do is occupied with this. Whatever happens in worship, whatever, I've even seen people do this with the announcements part of the service. Oh, brother so-and-so was just prophesying those announcements. Are you kidding me? Come on, but you see, they're occupied with it. They're, this is not just something that's a sidelight. This is this is in every every particular thing. I've seen people who have gone off on the deep end on grace. Uh, you know, the the super grace. Grace covers everybody. No one's going to hell. And and but once you 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 get in that, they are occupied with this. In that, this super grace involves everything they teach. They cannot teach anything without grace being involved. And this super grace, this grace that's against stuff, and it's in the Word of God. Because I know from the Word of God that some people are going to hell. I already know that some people have gone to hell. If that doctrine was true, Jesus' story about Lazarus is false. Because he tells a story about the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man's in hell. How'd he get there if no one's going? Well, that was Old Testament. No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If people could go to hell in the Old Testament, they can go to hell in the New Testament. <laughs> I see. You understand why he put the, that in there. There is a flow to it. They're occupied with them. So whenever you get this false doctrine, the devil just loves people to get completely occupied by it to where everything that they do is involved in that particular thing. Everything they do is about that false kind of prophecy. So much so that the worship service is perverted. The prayer time is perverted. Because no longer do you pray over people. No, I'm prophesying in my prayer time over you. Everything you do is prophesying. Ushers, make sure you prophesy over the people when they come in the doors. Prophesy on that instrument. And everything is about about that. See, you're occupied with it. It's a key word that he used in this. Because these people once they get off on one of these strange doctrines, it becomes everything to them. And we we can't let anything, can't let any one thing dominate everything that we do. I put in your outline here at the end, make sure the people who promote a lifestyle we pursue also have benefits in life we, we desire. Make sure if you want that lifestyle that they're teaching, Make sure that they have benefits in life that you desire. Because if you're going to pursue the things that they're occupied with, you're going to have what they have. Now going back to the, to the Word of God, the examples we have there, what kind of things was Paul occupied with? What kind of things was Jesus occupied with? He was occupied with things. But he was occupied with seeing and doing or I'm sorry, doing and saying what he saw the Father do. He's occupied with it. That's all he did. What did the Father say today? What did the Father do? That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to say. He's occupied with it. And he kept getting before the Father to find out about those things. See, you get occupied with the things that are in the Word of God it'll be good. It'll be good benefit to you but the the enemy wants to get us occupied with things that are outside of the Word of God. And for that, we have to make sure that we don't. So, look at the people that are trying to get you to do what they understand in the Word of God. Do you want what they have? Because you're going to have what they have if you pursue it doesn't mean everybody, everybody who's occupied with something doesn't have a lifestyle that you don't want. You can take a look at a guy like Jesse Duplantis and see the the things he's got in his life. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take some of that in my life. That's all right. That'd be good. Brother Creflo Dollar, you can look at some of the ways that he's carried about himself. And you can say, oh, I'll take some of that in my life. But um, there are some people out there and we we need to take a second look. Do I really want that to be in my life? They're always angry. They're always bitter. Do I want that in my life? Because we are probably going to have it if we pursue the things that they're occupied with. Father, we thank you for your word and for the exhortation that you give us in these things that we can be occupied with the grace of God not the law we can go about doing the things that grace does becoming established in it not established in the things of the law like foods and such things like that Father I thank you that you help us to live the word of God that we know to pursue the grace of God to pursue those things that are beneficial in our life to shun false doctrine and to pursue the truth that's in the Word of God and to increase our hunger for that truth. That if anything comes to us that is not that truth, we'll know it immediately because it's so different in its taste and we will reject it. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.